Hey, hey, welcome in Trekkies and what is going to be a regular segment on this show. Uh, this is our apology department. Today we are apologizing for some audio quality. We did not realize in real time that my internet was dropping out and we lost a little bit of video, a little bit of audio. I tried to cut most of the unusable bits out, but I did have to leave a little bit in just because of the conversational nature of it. Uh, I hope that doesn't detract from anybody that's listening. And uh, someone go yell at my internet service provider. That'd be great. Other than that, uh, if you've not watched Star Trek Discovery yet, uh, there is a spoiler warning uh, around the 33rd minute. So if you've not watched Discovery yet, you might want to skip ahead about a minute or two at the 33rd minute. Other than that, we should be good to go. Uh, here comes some music, and we hope you like what we have talked about. Okay, hey, welcome back in, guys. Uh, this is Stuart uh, Colley with his brother, Stephen. Uh, another episode of the Orion Syndicate Star Trek podcast. There's that uh, box of papers you're sitting on again. <laughs> so uh, we're going to play it a little loose today. We just kind of wanted to have a conversation. I'm in the middle of a uh, Enterprise rewatch. I'm not quite finished with it, but... I'm most of the way through season four and just kind of wanted to talk about Enterprise. It's, in my opinion, uh, significantly better than anyone gives it credit for. And there's a couple of points that I wanted to talk about that make it good, uh, things that make it not as not as good. And then a couple of things that are just interesting. So, Stephen, how you been since our last talk? Being good, man. Trying to stay busy. I uh, got about a half a deck built. Uh you know, just 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 stay busy. Uh, went out to the uh, <clears throat> to practice, you know, proper social distancing. Uh, I so I, I I didn't invent it, but I definitely I did not practice social distancing today. I practiced anti-social distancing. I took my canoe out solo on the water, uh, <laughs> and so there wasn't a soul around for miles. So that was nice. Uh, but it's been a good week. Um, we're under a tornado warning right now, so uh, but. It's like the third week in a row, but, uh, you know, they usually kind of go around my little area. So, you know, hey, fingers crossed. But. Well, you know, the the running joke has been, you know, like January was at war. February was like uh, Australia was on fire. Then came this uh, by like middle of the year, June, July. Dinosaurs are going to come back to life. Uh, I mean, I don't even want to know what the world's going to look like by Christmas. I mean, 2020 can just straight get fucked. I'm over it. Um, this year, this year, this year has 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 consecutively sucked so far. There's been a lot of cool stuff happening in the world, but uh, overall, this year has has just straight up sucked. It needs to just go ahead and be uh, 2021. I'm going to go back to sleep and start this year over again next year. 
Do you remember when we, uh, even just a couple of years ago, we were trying to figure out how the Bell Riots from DS9 could come to pass, where everybody is just sheltered and just like cut off portions of the city. No one has jobs. They just, uh, yeah, we were wondering how the Bell Riots could have come to come Yeah, to pass. martial law, yeah. Yeah, here we are. Uh, that is yeah. literally uh, one presidential cycle away. We're like well on our way. Yeah, we are. So, uh, anyway... So uh, I'll let you take it off about something that you you can just talk about whatever you want to about uh, enterprise uh, floors open. So you are you know you're you're going through your your enterprise rewatch. I um, coincidentally did my enterprise my last enterprise rewatch not that long ago, less than six months ago. Um, I I do think out of all. Of the Star Trek series, it is probably the most underrated show uh, overall. When you read things online, it just—it's a lot of bashing on Enterprise. I mean, I've got faith of the heart. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna—I'm gonna be talking about that. So. <laughs> All jokes aside, um, from what I've seen, it's the most underrated Star Trek series, and. And there aren't that many series to begin with, and um, I I enjoyed Enterprise. Um, I mean, some of the some of the stories, okay, could have been maybe written a little bit better to tie in with future canon. Um, you know, the they tried with the Borg, um, they tried with with a lot of stuff. Um, but I really enjoyed, um, you know, the backstory that we got on some species that we knew existed. Um, we knew were members of the Federation, but we didn't, we didn't know a lot about them. Uh, the Andorians come to mind. We, uh, Star Trek Enterprise gives us more information about Andoria and their society and, and their people as a spacefaring people, um, pre-Federation than any other series. Um, and and I appreciate it. Tellarites, uh, you know, Denobulans, you know, you know, so there were a lot of to be a prequel. We sure did meet a lot of new alien species. That's a, or, I, or or re meet them, re meet them. If that if I can coin if I can make up a word. One of the things that I was going to talk about, it's not where I was going to start with, but this is a great it's a great tie into this part. Um, I loved everything that. John Eves, Doug Drexler, uh, for those of you that don't know who that is, um, John Eves and Doug Drexler basically helped design every space station ship that we have seen since, like, Deep Space Nine. Uh, John Eves' like, number one contribution was he was the designer of the Enterprise-E, uh, and I think we can all agree that uh, while it might not be your favorite ship, the Sovereign class enterprise e was a was just a beautiful ship and you get to there was so much detail that went into seeing the andorian ships especially like the interior of them you know and some of that's also like your you know set design your prop masters and stuff like that but um even uh, do you remember the late episode um i think it's called divergence it's the one that explains the the klingon ridges with the uh 
oh. with the augment thing, right? Yeah. But yeah. remember the scene where the Enterprise and Columbia, ha- like Columbia has to come in and flip upside down at Wolf, and Trip has to go on the cable in between. Uh, yeah. It would have been really, it would have been super easy to have just used the exact same CGI model for Columbia as Enterprise and just be like, well, they're the exact same class of ship. They're, they're prototypes. And just kit, just send out the same thing and just slap Columbia on the front of the second one. But like the deflector dish is like a little bit different. Even like the shading, uh, Columbia is like a little bit darker color gray. And so I love the attention to detail that we got in the shipbuilding and the contribution to lore that we got that way. Uh, all the different Vulcan ships. <clears throat> I just thought that was one of my favorite things going back and looking at it with sort of fresh eyes again. But it's like John Eves is is a hero, <laughs> you know? You know, when when Gene Roddenberry and his team, you know, basically, I mean, well, I mean, they invented warp drive, right? Um, they They didn't know a lot about how that would how would that would fit into where science was going and now you can get on the internet and you can look and and people have done the research and they're like if if warp drive was going to be a thing this is this is how it would look this is how you would design the ship and you know those models started coming out in the early 2000s and it was right around the time that enterprise was being filmed and when you look at the Vulcan ships, those early Vulcan ships from Enterprise. Um, well, early is a relative term. <laughs> uh, but uh, I hate we both fail temporal mechanics, so don't worry about enough. that. It, when you when you look at the, at the at the the class of ships from from the Enterprise era, and you compare those to the ships that our scientists have designed today, that say if warp drive was going to be a thing, this is kind of what your ship would look like. They're not that dissimilar. Uh, and I thought, I don't know if they're connected at all, but again, the attention to detail and and that's something that could look, you know, like that. It, I don't know. It's just, I enjoy that as well. Okay. So you mentioned uh, the theme song. Uh, I don't think any conversation <laughs> about Enterprise can really get started without getting you know, the theme song out of the way. So I'm just gonna jump on. I'm just gonna jump on that grenade, and uh, I was all right. So I was very prepared to come on here and just be like, I skip it every time. I don't understand like the the jingly bits. Uh, but you know, the thing is, it it is different, but it does kind of grow on you a little bit. Like yeah. I didn't skip it nearly as much as I thought I was going to. The visuals of it are fantastic. Um, but I was very prepared to come on here and defend it. So the guy that sings it, okay, do you know right. who the... Okay, first of all, at it's not... At one point, at one point, I'm sure I did, but first of all, I'm not that not, big a nerd. It's not called uh, Faith of the Heart. Faith of the Heart was the original. This, is, this was a cover um, by a... English tenor by the name of Russell Watson. Uh, and his version is actually titled Where My Heart uh, Will Take Me. 
And I was, I was, I guess I was willing to come out here and go to bat for it. It's not nearly as bad as mm-hmm. I thought it was or remembered it being. <laughs> and then while I was doing my research, I found out that he's a Manchester United supporter. And for those of you that don't know, I am a Liverpool fan and our arch rivals. And as soon as I found that out, uh, I hate it even more than I did before. Uh, I can't now hear it without thinking of him being a Manchester United fan. Um, <laughs> so... I hope I either helped or ruined that that opening sequence for everybody else. But uh, it, all joking aside, it's not as bad as it, people make it out to be. It's just different. Um, so there you go. That's my take on where my heart will take me. Um, so, yeah, like, I think if if you walked into, you know, your standard group of of I'll use a political term. We'll just call them moderate Trekkies, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, you're just like, yeah, where my heart will take me. And, you know, some of them might know, but most people know, you know, faith. When you say, I have faith the heart, you'd be like, ah, oh, enterprise. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of how I've always, I, I did not know it had a different name. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know. Um, I honestly do not like the song. It does grow on you. Um, I liked it. I, if I have to pick a version of of the song, because there were two versions of it mm-hmm. yeah. throughout throughout, you know, uh, if I had to pick a version of something that I didn't like that was better, I would say the slower version was probably better than than the upbeat version. I, I would I would agree, but I just do I don't like it. Um, I do not like. See, I mean, it's not. It's not even if you put words to an orchestral background, maybe, but they didn't. Um, and what annoys me most about it, if listen to it with headphones on, um, and you can, you can. It's just a bad taping of the song as well. You can hear him breathing. You can hear the artist breathing when he gets ready. He goes, "You can hear this noise." When yeah, he gets ready to do a line, I absolutely hate that. It annoys me every time, and I as well skip it. I I'm not a big fan. So you are talking about the terrible sound that you can hear, and then purposely do it twice, once while leaning into the microphone. Great, I'm, absolutely, absolutely. All we right, got so, those microphones for thirty dollars a piece on Amazon. <laughs> So what else do we want to talk about uh, from Enterprise? Uh, you want to do a little bit of headcanon stuff? I didn't really overthink a lot of this. I didn't overthink it at all. Um, you know, it's just like, hey, Enterprise, okay, let's do this. Um, I talked a little bit about, um, you know, species that we see that, that we that we don't know a lot about. We just know that they've sort of been around Um but there were certain characters on this show that made it better. Um, and by that, I mean, if, if if certain characters were not on this show, played by the people that they were played by, this show wouldn't have even made it as far as it did before it got canceled. Um, I think it was uh, I think it was a stroke of genius uh, to cast Quantum Leap as the captain of the first. Uh, of the NXO one, 
uh, for Jonathan. I think I thought, I thought that was a stroke of genius. Um, it tied in other sci-fi and old school nerds back into. I mean, we were going to watch it anyway, but it just sort of tied everything together. You're like, oh, it's Quantum Leap. Um, I think he made an excellent captain. Um, I think that I think anybody could have played to Paul. Honestly, um, Jolene Blaylock is a good actress, um, but I think anybody can can play an, an emotionless person. And if anybody can hear that knocking, that would be my three-year-old who's been locked in this house for about a month as well. Um, but um, Jeffrey Combs is probably the best character of all characters on Enterprise, Jeffrey Combs is is amazing as Shran. He just he plays an amazing role in everything he does uh, in in any Star Trek series. But uh, I, he, I love Jeffrey he, Combs. He's played what eight characters a in lot. Star Trek. <laughs> he's I played think, a lot. Yeah, he, I, I think he's I think he's got eight characters on Star Trek. I agree. Shran is probably the the best character they they're not in any way shape or form similar but i feel like we get a window into andorian society through shran played by jeffrey combs in the same way that we get a really good look into cardassian culture and life through andrew robinson's portrayal of garrick and ds9 uh, you know what I mean? Like we just learn a lot about their societies by the character and also the, the way that that character is portrayed on screen. So kudos to Jeffrey Combs. I would you Jolene Blaylock, I think did a really good job with Paul. I kind of agree with your assessment that it could have been cast by sort of anybody that doesn't take anything away from her ability to, to portray that character. Um, I thought, especially uh, towards the end of Enterprise with her and Tripp's relationship, uh, uh, that she did a really good job of walking a kind of a fine line between emotion and not emotion in a different way than, say, like Spock or some of the other Vulcans that we've seen. Um, so uh, <laughs> I'll go to bat for this. I think it was probably written that this way, but I think Jonathan Archer was a sort of terrible captain. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think it was written that way to show. I mean, we had a couple different episodes that tried to show that this was pre-Federation. You know, this wasn't right. the Starfleet that we, you know we had grown up with. This is before the Prime Directive. And they even name dropped that in an episode. It's like maybe some someone will write some sort of prime directive for being out here. We don't have that luxury right now. But I mean, the episode where he steals the warp core from the Illyrian Illyrian ship so that they can make their meeting with Degra. It's toward the end of season three. It was really difficult to watch like a Starfleet crew board another vessel that had done nothing to them and steal their warp core and leave them stranded 
like three years from home. Like I understand why they they did it. You know, they're trying to save Earth, and but that was really hard to watch. Like these are supposed to be the good guys, and this is this is arguably really kind of screwed. So I don't know. I I'll go to bat for that. I think part of it was the writing that way. But Jonathan Archer is kind of a terrible captain. He did a bunch of really, really fucked up things. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, compared to to all other captains we've seen, um, who have all been Federation Starfleet captains, I agree with you. In in comparison to them, he was a terrible he was a terrible captain. Um, but I mean, as he, there was no Federation yet, there was no Prime Directive. Um, even even just the humanity of what or the inhumanity of what that specific instance that you pointed out um, during the, the whole Zindi story arc, um, it was hard to watch, um, but it was compelling to watch, um, and he he learns from that you know it's it's all part of his i mean when he when he first starts out he's just he's just this guy that got command and by the end of the last season he is he is a completely different person um I would agree and, with that. and lays and lays the foundations for uh, you know the federation charter um and i mean we even saw it in voyager uh you know when um when Janeway is talking to, and I believe it's Harry Kim, I believe, um, and she's she's talking about you know Kirk and um, you know this whole this cowboy diplomacy, you know, just just you know warping off to go do whatever the hell they wanted to do. Um, and this was even prior to that. I mean, this Jonathan Archer's Enterprise is that's cowboy, you know, that's cowboy stuff. Um, they literally did whatever the heck they wanted to do. They actually um, had a they actually had a cowboy episode, North Star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. I mean, it was yeah. a fun watch, but it was yeah. it, it was not my favorite episode by, by long stretch. Um, you know, being you know when you look at it, yes, it takes place you know chronologically in this the you know the whole the Star Trek universe. Um, it's a it's a a prequel, you know, but you know it still it came in the early two thousands. Um, so in sequence of series, it was really where Star Trek, it was the last episodic, um, Star Trek series. And I mean by that each episode had its own enclosed story arc. Um, but it was also, especially with the Zindi story, um, where they're trying to save Earth, it was the way that they they blended that episodic storytelling model with this overall series story arc was very well done. If you if you look at the way that Star Trek is now, where it's not episodic, the entire series, you know, Picard or Discovery, you know, there are ten episodes, fifteen episodes of an entire story arc. Um, each episode leads up to that. It, if you look at it that way, it's a great blending of the two. I, would, I, I think that that's nice. I would say season four, which was run by Manny Cotto, 
uh, did the best job of that because especially going back and what like season four is fresh in my mind because I'm not quite finished with it. But you had a lot of those that were two and three episodes long story arcs, right? So the, the, the Klingon augment uh, virus one was like two episodes long, but it tied into the overall story of season four really well. And so season four was told in these little mini arcs that had their own beginning, middle and end in like two and three parter episodes, but it did narratively drive the story towards the, the conclusion at the end of right. season four. So I would say season four did a phenomenal job of that. So uh, let's go to, let's go to questions. Uh, so I did throw this out on uh, the enterprise subreddit and just asked a couple of people if they had any mysteries that they wanted solved. And the number one one was who was future guy. <laughs> right. Daniels. So, well, yeah. other no, okay, so no, Daniels was from the future. Oh, but, you mean you mean fuzzy future guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's o- he's only uh, narratively speaking, he's only referred to like in the scripts as uh, uh, humanoid uh, or like shadow humanoid or something like that. But everyone, including like people on set, eventually started referring to him as future guy. So, who do you think? <laughs> who do you think future guy was? Oh God! Does it even does it mention? Does it mention in on screen what century future guy is from? No, they don't mention when Daniels is from, and he's but this guy, future guy is from another faction of the temporal Cold War, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that they're from the same time. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, you know, and, and I was just curious. I don't, I don't recall uh, if they ever mentioned what, what, uh, what century fuzzy feature guy was from. Um, Who is, so it could be, so in, so we're, we're, we're talking, we're speculating out the wazzy right now. It could be anybody. Fuzzy feature guy is, um, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I I, could, I, uh, I did a little bit of research. So uh, there's a couple prevailing. There's a beta canon like book series that names him. And you know how I feel about canon. So I'm not even going to go into that. Um, <clears throat> there's also um, two. There's two main theories. So one, he's a Romulan. All right. So he's some sort of Romulan agent from the future that is attempting to influence the Federation prior to the Romulan War, which does make a little bit of sense considering the Romulans are doing some shadow play stuff, you know, later in season four. Um, or, and this is the one that I believe, because uh, Brandon Braga uh, basically said, yeah, we didn't. We, we never fully fleshed it out, but like we think he was probably Archer. So future guy was actually Jonathan Archer from the future that was attempting to influence his younger self to fix his future just a little bit, which I can kind of buy, but I guess it doesn't really matter. But Brandon Braga 
even said, yes, we were going to maybe make Ar uh, Archer the future guy. And he referred to him as future guy, like in an interview, which is nice. So there you go. We we solved it. Internet. Uh, this is your definitive. <laughs> this is your definitive source for headcanon material. Future guy, it's Jonathan Archer, uh, and Jeffrey Combs is the titties. So there you go. I, I think uh, Jeffrey. I think Jeffrey Combs should play future guy in the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I would love if future guy was actually Shran from enterprise that would be an amazing turn it'd be great so it'd be great it'd be great what else did you throw out there um another one uh where was uh who built the station uh i forget actually i forget the episode name uh but it's the one where they are i think actually i think it's called dead stop but um the ship's been blown to shit and they go to that random automated station and they right yeah so who built that station because it's fully automated it's incredibly advanced and then they've got people wired into it to to make the computer function so who who built that and i thought that was a really interesting mystery hmm the iconians <sighs> I mean, <laughs> when in doubt, you can always throw Section 31 or Iconians at the answer to a mystery and just walk away. That's called lazy writing. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I actually, I did not look into this at all. So I couldn't tell you like from a producer standpoint, writing standpoint, who they maybe thought it was. Um, it is a really interesting mystery because they never, they never come back to it. I think it probably has to be some piece of leftover technology because the Vulcans, the Andorians, the Klingons, uh, the Romulans, everyone in that time period are all kind of at the same level technologically. Uh, so I don't see anybody being able to to do that. I don't know in, in universe at that period of time who would have been advanced enough to do it. And this is why I, if, if you have listened to this podcast um, from the first episode, um, I hope, first of all, I hope you think we've gotten better. Uh, we've adjusted our model a little bit. And uh, I think, you know, going forward, this is just, is what it is. It's, it's us having a conversation. But um, if you've listened to us from the first episode, you've heard me say that I, um, I believe that licensed um, books CBS Viacom licensed books should be considered canon uh, unless they unless what they put out there is contradicted on screen um, should be considered canon because this is an area specifically that could be addressed in a book. Anybody can write a book. They can get a license from CBS Viacom. They can write a book and they can solve these problems. They can answer these questions. They can fill in the gaps. Um, yes, there's new Trek coming out now, but, f you know, from 2005, you know, to, to 2000 and, and to the, um, whenever Discovery premiered, 2017, early that 2017, right. uh, I think it was January 2017, don't quote me on that, um, but, you know, we didn't have anything except J.J. Abrams and his, you know, he'd never seen a single episode of Star Trek, self-admittedly, and wrote, you know, 
produced three Star Trek movies. Um, we didn't have anything. And, and the licensed books can fill in these areas. And this is one that could be answered in the book. You could write an entire book on the race that developed that station. There you know, probably the, is a book. The NX-01 goes back, and they or the NX-02 goes back, uh, and they investigate. You know, and that would be a great that would be a great story. I would read that book. I would read that story. Um, it may be in a book somewhere, but um, that is just it's just further to me why. If it's licensed material, why can't it be canon? Just because it wasn't on the screen. I think that that is a... Uh, I think it's lazy. Um, I think someone went to a lot of trouble to do that, and they got licensed to do it. And it should be considered canon. That's just me. My take. All right. So we're going to do a little segment where we just kind of pick some episodes, talk about them real quick. Uh, we're not going to go too long on any of these, because uh, I think we'd both like to get at least two, maybe three in before we go to trivia. So, Stephen, give me your favorite episode, your most fun episode to watch, you know, going back, or one you just want to bash for the sake of bashing. <laughs> All right, man, I'll tell you, like, honestly, there were so many good episodes of Enterprise um, that just set up the whole Star Trek universe and tried to answer some questions. But my favorite Star Trek Enterprise episodes were In a Mirror Darkly Parts 1 and 2, the Mirror Universe episodes. I absolutely love them. Um, I wish that there had been another season. Um, I felt like they kind of left us hanging there. Um, at the end of Part 2 with uh, Impresato taken over but those were just those were great i mean you saw uh you saw a throwback to the uss defiant um little tie in there um uh, you know tholians and 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 evil people i love mirror universe episodes of of star trek i absolutely love them the uh we talked about the theme song earlier how they changed the theme music for those two episodes and made it like incredibly dark with the, yeah. uh, with the drums. And I think there was a Nazi flag on the moon. Uh, <laughs> that, that was, if anyone wants to Google Nazis on the moon, there's a, there's a really bad movie on Netflix about this whole yeah. thing. And it's, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's a great, that's a great shot. I love those episodes. Uh, Absolutely. The, the, uh, the tie in with uh, the defiant going back, uh, you know, not only in time, but into the mirror universe. And then that being a plot point, sorry, uh, in discovery a little bit uh, was a nice, that was a story arc that traversed like 50 years of history. You know what I mean? Like yep. it opened, with the original series in the sixties and then got brought back in the, you know, early two thousands and then came back again in a closed loop, uh, in almost 2020. So, uh, that, yeah, that was, was a, it was a great, that's a great show. That's a great episode. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted, I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted a part three so bad. Um, and Sato was such a badass. Yes, you know, she was. At the end, she, she was just she was just this meek. She's played this meek person the entire time, and even <sighs> in part one, she played this meek person. Um, and 
this courtesar, uh, and then just totally dominates and it's like uh, shows up at Earth and she's like, yeah, tell them they're talking to Empress Sato, bitch, and and then I, it just fades to black. I just I just thought about this. Literally just thought about this with you talking about it. The parallels in character writing from Hoshi to like Empress Sato and Tilly from Enterprise and Captain Killy. It's sort of the same thing. You take like the meek, the meekest and mild mannered on the crew, and then turn them into this like bloodthirsty, like killing machine. Uh, that's 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 really interesting. I just thought about that. Sorry to in anyone a, that hasn't watched it, Discovery in a, in a mirror darkly. I mean, that's it's the <laughs> it's a great name for the episode, um, and it's a great it's a great way to describe all of the mirror universe. Um, Terran Empire episodes of all the series. Love it. Well, it's also, it's super fun to watch the people that we've gotten to know because didn't, so the this two-parter came out just before like the final run-in, so they did It was the 93rd episode of 97 episodes of Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you've gotten to know all of these characters reasonably well and then you get to see them play like their doppelganger uh, and like their their evil side. So it was really interesting to watch watch everybody play a bad version of themselves. And I'm sure it was probably really fun for the actors to do that as well. So yeah, uh, my favorite. I'm, all right, so I've got. I'll do my favorite episode, and then uh, I want to talk about one that I just love to watch. So my favorite episode, I think, was probably it's from season two. Uh, specifically because it does set something up later that I would that I loved. It was the episode Stigma, where to Paul it basically is forcefully mind melded upon, mm. and it is on the surface of it, it's a story about rape. And anytime people with platforms can talk about things that are negative in society. Uh, there's re- there's a real stigma around uh, rape reporting. That's for men and women. Uh, it is. You know, men men can be raped as well. Um, it was, uh, and then through the course of the episode, it not only sets up some of Tapal's later character development, but then in season four, there's a one of those nice little three part story arcs with uh, the forge. Uh, Awakening and Kinshara, where they mm. go, where they go to Vulcan and find the uh, the Kinshara, which is like Surak's teachings, right? And is Katra, you're right, yeah. So, uh, but th- that ep- stigma and that mind meld episode ties into that story arc uh, pretty significantly, actually. So, I, I. I enjoyed that episode for what it tried to do. Uh, it's hard to talk about difficult topics like that. And it, I won't say I enjoyed the episode because it does make you, especially if you understand what they're trying to allude to, which Star Trek tries to do regularly. Uh, it, it makes it difficult to watch sometimes, uh, but it was an important topic. Uh, still is. And it also set up the character uh, for more development. So I, thir- I think my favorite episode is probably Stigma from season two. 
That's a great episode. No, and a great message. I think I want to say my favorite episode to just watch, just in isolation. Uh, we we talk about non-sex sometimes little bottle episodes that to modern Star Trek uh, anymore really is Carbon Creek. Do you remember Carbon Creek? Do I remember Carbon Creek? It's the one where uh, the it's played by T'Pol, but it's actually T'Pol's like great grandmother. <gasps> oh yeah, that's a fantastic episode. Yeah, and yes. they go they go to like a mining town in uh, Pennsylvania in 1957. Uh, it's just it's it's just a fun it's just a fun episode to watch. And uh, there's a little nugget in there. So the one of the characters. Uh, so there's three Vulcans. For those of you that don't know the episode, uh, basically we uh, we launch Sputnik. Some Vulcans <clears throat> show up to investigate, and there's a problem. They crash land in 1957. Uh, so we know exactly when this episode takes place. Sputnik was launched in early October of 1957 and then crashed like three weeks later, right? So it, it came down a couple of weeks later. Uh, so we know exactly when the Vulcans showed up. There's four of them on the ship. One of them dies. Paul's like grand forefather uh, is left in command. And then there's two other Vulcans. One of them is named Mistrell. So you go through the whole episode and uh, there's like this little boy who wants to go to college, but because it's a mining town, <sighs> Like they don't have a lot of money, and he's smart. And Paul's grandmother has gotten to know him and love him a little bit. And when she finds out that he's not going to get to go to college, she goes to her crashed ship and pulls out like a packaging thing, right? And it's got Velcro on it. And then she goes to town and she sells it and gets the money, and she the kid gets to go to college. And like we we don't know anything that happens to him after that, right? They named the Vulcan character after the guy that invented Velcro. You're kidding me. No. Wow. No. I, I did know. not know this. I did not know this. Yeah, it's just like, that's a, so obviously when they were writing the episode, they're like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to name one of the characters Mistrell, and we're going to do a Vulcan uh, tie-in, which kind of is the same sort of of scenarioing them the uh, recipe for transparent aluminum in Star Trek, the one with, with the whales. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but I love Carbon Creek and she tells it as a story and everybody thinks that she's joking. And then the end of the episode rolls around and she goes over and pulls out like what is clearly like a 1950s style purse that is like all wrapped up in sacred and whatnot. So first contact day actually happened sometime in late 1957 in uh, Pennsylvania. Did not happen I mean, in uh, Bozeman, Montana. I mean, if you're going to get technical, uh, first contact date happened earlier um, when uh, Quark and Nog and uh, they, and they go back in time on DS9 and they go back in time um, earlier than that, don't they? It's 1947. They're supposedly yeah. the Roswell aliens. Right, right. So technically, I mean, if you're going to get technical and say, and say, first contact day happened earlier. It happened earlier than that. It happened in you know, 
1947. I mean, uh, if you want to be if you want to be a dick about it, first contact day happened when <laughs> when Q took Picard to the primordial ooze and they stuck their fingers <laughs> in it. If you want to get real technical, that was first I contact mean, day. I mean, we could. Uh, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, no, that's yeah. No, that's that's a great episode. Um, I love it when 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 Star Trek kind of steps outside other than holodeck episodes. I mean, we know what those are, but, and they step out and maybe there's a time travel episode or they do like a past episode to explain, you know, a character's past or whatever. Uh, and the same, the same actor portrays his ancestor, his or her ancestor. I love those episodes. Um, I think that they add something to the overall value of, of the series and and the story arc and I I enjoy those. Do you have a episode that you particularly like? Just did not enjoy. Um, I mean, a specific episode I did not enjoy of Enterprise. I mean, the whole Romulan drone thing kind of bugged me a little bit um i thought it was i thought it was kind of weak writing um no offense to anybody who wrote on that episode um but uh, i just i i thought it was a little weak i I wasn't a big fan well if we if they'd had a season five it was going to be about the romulan war so i feel like that some of those were written in anticipation of the Romulans being a bigger player in like a mm. season five. I can so, see that, but I, I agree. That. I, I agree. Uh, they did feel kind of shoehorned in. They were like, well, we wanted to tell, we wanted to get Romulans in here. <clears throat> so Romulan drone, you know, the Romulans are the, the, the Federation's oldest enemy. And this, this series goes back pre Federation and, um, I can see that where certain episodes like that one, um, uh, the episode where um, Daniels brings Archer to the future, a much different dystopian future where, you know, electronics aren't a thing and books are in libraries again. And uh, they find a book about the Romulan Star Empire and they're, he's like, ah, put that back. You don't want to know. Um, I feel like those little plugs were setting up for for a bigger a bigger story that we never got. Um and uh, I I regret that that we haven't seen that on screen. Well, season five would we can we can spitball a hypothetical season five. Um, it, it's pretty well known that Shran was supposed to join the main cast on on Enterprise yeah. in season five, um, and it was supposed to be like the the Romulan War. Uh, I, I would have personally loved to have seen it. Uh, I think having more more Jeffrey Combs is always better. Uh, I'm just going to title this episode the Jeffrey Combs episode. So, <laughs> uh, but more more Shran, more pink skin, uh, more uh, just cutting wit from him and Archer. Their relationship was, I thought, really well done. Uh, would have been awesome, and then to see. The, the Romulan War take place, I think, would have been uh, would have been fun. It would have been interesting how they 
reconciled Spock's comment that uh, the Romulan War was fought with primitive nuclear weapons, uh, with what we've already seen, that they have photon torpedoes and phase cannons and things like that. If they would have respected that comment or if it would have been thrown out, and we'd have to be doing a whole episode to fix that. Based on who was doing the writing on Enterprise, I think they probably would have fleshed that out. They wouldn't have ignored it. Um, but um, perhaps there was some cataclysm. Who knows, right? Um, but yeah, no, that would have been great um, to see that fleshed out. Uh, I will say, and it's not because it wasn't a fun episode, uh, but Acquisition, the one where they, for no reason, shoehorn the Ferengi uh, into into the show, uh, I thought was, I mean, it was a fun episode, I guess. I, well, you had Ethan Phillips played a Ferengi, uh, who is Neelix in right. uh, Voyager. Uh, and then you also had Clint Howard, uh, Ron Howard's brother, who has been in every version of Star Trek in some way, shape, or form uh, as one of the other Ferengi playing off of off of them uh, with with the new crew? It was it was fun, and they did. I will say they did take extra special care to not ever mention the name of the race that they were to kind of preserve the canon there. But it just it was very shoehorned in. Ethan Phillips. Great actor, great as a Ferengi. Um, it's always good to see uh, Clint Howard in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I'm going to skip an episode, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, it doesn't really do much for me. That's really all I have to say episode-wise. Sure. So, I mean, let's recap. Um, overall... Good show. Good Great series. Show. Great show. Great series. Um, ended before its time. Could have easily um, watched two more seasons of that before they before they shit-canned it. Um, would have loved one. Would have loved two. And let's do trivia. Uh, I gotta go find the trivia book. It's not in here. <laughs> Oh, actually, let's do the one more thing. So, so theoretically, you could, because we haven't gotten it with Discovery yet, Every, pretty much every other show has had a handoff from a previous series to the next series. You know what I mean? So you had DeForest Kelly and Next Generation uh, in their pilot. Uh, you had uh, Quark. In Voyager, so obviously a human being is not probably going to be the right answer. But if you could get one Enterprise character that shows up in Discovery, who would you take, and why is the answer not Shran? <sighs> <laughs> nice, thank you, thank you for. So my number two would be. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I would love to see um, Malcolm Reed for some reason. Um, I would love to see Malcolm Reed. Um, you know, he came up with the Reed Alert, man, the Red Alert. <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I don't know. I would I would love to see Malcolm Reed. If not Malcolm Reed, I would love to see um, Trip Tucker, Connor Trenier, make an appearance uh, just because I want to see him alive again. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> he, he died, and it sucked, and it didn't need to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, one of the two. Okay, so there's a Section 31, like, crossover there. Like, there's Section 31 in Discovery. Sure. And Malcolm Reed was, like, obviously an early Section 1. That he would be, oh, I, we're bad at math again. He'd have to be, like, 180 years old, though, wouldn't he? Well, Section 31, so Section, it's, so it's, it, section, it's Section 31 of the Federation Charter. Um, and then Enterprise takes place before the Federation Charter, um, so it's technically not Section Thirty One. It's just a clandestine organization. But he named he named he did. he did, and it's bugged me. And if anyone out there knows why that shouldn't bug me, uh, please hit us up uh, on Twitter at Orion Podcast or shoot us an email uh, at uh, Orion Syndicated Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, I would love to see. Because we know that Vulcans are long-lived enough that T'Pol could make an appearance. So I think, logically, she probably makes the most sense to show mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't, to my knowledge, have any idea how long Denobulans live. And mm -hmm. uh, so... You could just have a throwaway comment that Denobulans live to be like 300 years old. And Phlox uh, was one of my favorite characters. Like he, after rewatching this, he might be one of my favorite doctors. He He's like that co-worker that is like incredibly cheery all the time to the point where you almost don't trust them because of it because it can't be real. And then the longer you get to know them, they're like, no. This is just someone who is inherently a cheerful person. And it kind of makes you feel bad about being cynical. <laughs> right? That's Fox. Um, I loved I loved almost every episode that uh Flox played like a main like a main part in when he was right. like a main part of the story. Um, yeah. He was just he was just a really and he was a brand new race of aliens to get to know. So you get to know actually Stigma, I think the B plot was is when you find out that they all have like three wives and then each wife has three husbands. So you, you get to find a lot about uh, Denobulan culture in that episode, too. So I would I would want to see Flocks make a comeback and just have a throwaway line that, yeah, we live to be like 300 years old. I was only like 39 in that episode or like, you know, in Enterprise. I was only like 39 years old and like just have uh flocks come back for a cameo i would love to see that that would be my love that it. would be my pick all right love it. i'm gonna go get the trivia book all right and so now we're on to our love hate portion of the podcast uh it is trivia for those of you that have been keeping up or if somebody's just jumping in right here uh Steven is ahead four to three as of last week. So are you ready for trivia? Let's do trivia, man. Love trivia. All right. So the way this works, uh, it is a book. I have no control over it. It will just pick something 
at random from Star Trek trivia at large. All right, and Stephen, it looks like you are going to be question 789. 789 goes in a row. I am excited. Okay, question 789. We are in Deep Space Nine territory. Okay? Let's do it. All right, so who lost a leg during the siege of AR 558? Nog. Don't even need me to read the letters. I love it. <laughs> Don't. Don't need you to read the letters. It's Nog. That was that was um, that was, uh, ding ding ding. That was an extra special um, episode for me. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I'm in the military and um, I've been to Afghanistan three times, um, and I've I've dealt with my own demons from some of that, and um, to see them portray how someone might deal with a post-traumatic stress situation um, is near and dear to my heart. That's one of my favorite episodes. Um, that, that whole, that whole, not only one of my favorite episodes, the, the whole story arc where he comes back and, and he goes to Vix and, and, you know, regains, you know, some of what he's lost um, is, is special to me. And I absolutely love it. So I'm uh, glad I, I got randomly assigned that question. Uh, that ep- that episode was one of the few that you see like ground force in Star Trek. A lot of it's a lot of war in Star Trek's usually depicted in space battles. And you know, if there's any ground combat, it's usually an away team against another away team, and they're hiding behind you know paper mache boulders and. Uh, this was a this was a really gritty episode that uh, portrayed uh, that war is hell, um, and it uh, I think it's told mostly through Jake, right? Jake Cisco is there as like a reporter, and he ends up being like a field medic, and but yeah, Nog loses his leg, and then later uh, when he comes in, when he get when he comes back to DS Nine. Uh, and goes to Vix. It's uh, it's only a paper moon. I think is the episode where he's dealing with the PTSD um, of of this episode. Uh, again, it's one reason why we both agree DS Nine is probably the best Star Trek. Uh, Voyager is my Star Trek, but DS Nine for episodes like this, um, it's uh, it's a really it's a really powerful episode. So Excellent. thank you for your. Thank you for your service, by the way, brother. You know, I hey. you know, I think you are amazing for doing what you do. But uh, it, it, other people out there, uh, just so you know, I'm extremely proud of what my brother does on a daily basis, both for me and for you and for everything that we hold dear. So there we go. Everybody does something important. So. All right. So you. now it is my turn. It is going to be question. Ooh, we are staying in DS9 territory, I believe. Nice. It's going to be question 770. Just going to have to 
just flipping back one page. Okay. <clears throat> Which loyal Vorta appeared for the first time in To the Death? Okay, so this is tricky because they met a Vorta before Wayun. They did? Who pretended to be a renegade but turned out that they weren't. But then you never saw them again. So I feel like adding the it word... Was a female. It, it was, was a female. female. Remember she had that... And we never see it again, that power to shoot like a a ball of energy out of her chest for some yeah, fucking reason. Yeah. yeah. But it does say which loyal Vorta appeared for the first time into the death. And I, I, I gotta say it's way in, which is played by Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, our, <laughs> our, our favorite drop-in actor. Oh, I'm definitely gonna have to call this the Jeffrey Combs episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's way in. <sighs> I was really worried about that. <sighs> I think logic um, helped you out there. You know which loyal Vorta appears for the first time. I think logic helped you there. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the episode? Uh, I don't remember the episode name, but uh, Iggy Pop played a Vorta. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's um, fantastic. There's so there's so many great guest star roles in Star Trek. We could do an entire uh, podcast episode about about guest stars. Um, oh, who I actually love that idea. I love it too. We'll discuss that offline. If you have an idea for what we should randomly talk about, uh, again, hit us up on Twitter at podcast Ryan. Or send us an email at Orion Syndicated Podcast, all one word at gmail.com. All right. Well, I feel like this is a lot tighter show, brother. I feel like we accomplished little to nothing, but got through it rather quickly. So. I feel like it was I feel like it was good considering you sent me a text like four days ago saying I'm thinking enterprise something something. Um and then you know we we did this for an hour or so, so uh I feel I feel good about it. Uh, all right. Well, uh all that being said, I think we have talked about enterprise. Uh if somebody wants to tell us uh the things that we missed, uh you want to talk about your favorite episodes, why, why not? Uh, like I said, Stephen already gave you those uh, ways to get in touch with us. So, uh, brother, I think that's going to wrap it us up for us tonight. Sounds good, man. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, my man.